All right, starting on next Sunday, uh, I was told uh, from a standpoint of just conventional wisdom uh, that it would not be wise to start a new series today. Um, that we would most likely have uh, most of our people out, you know, because of the holiday and everything. Um, did not know that most of you would come anyway. Uh, so uh, we're going to start a, a new series on next Sunday. Um, we will do a mixture of, as far as preaching, we'll do uh, a mixture of uh, expository preaching where we walk through books of the Bible. Uh, most recently, we have walked through both Jonah uh, and the book of Ruth most recently. Um, we'll also mix that up with some topical uh, preaching, uh, certain topics. And so, um, again, we've gone through Jonah and Ruth most recently. Uh, so we've done mostly expository recently. But we'll start off the new year on next Sunday with a, uh, uh, some topical. We're going to look at the qualities of God, uh, the characteristics of God, and we will walk through those. We've talked a lot about the devil and, and what he does, and rightfully so. Uh, we need to continue to familiarize ourselves with the enemy. Um, what team plays a, another team that they don't scout? Um, and Paul says himself, I would not have you ignorant of the devil's devices. We need to be familiar with our enemy uh, that we face. And now that we have an enemy, but we also need to be familiar with our God. And so we're going to, uh, I'm very, very excited about it. Going to walk through the qualities of God. Or it should take us through a couple of months just going through different aspects uh, of, of who God is. And so I'm excited about that. We'll start that on next Sunday. And so uh, today will just be a standalone message in regards to the holidays. Um, we're going to talk today about keys to a thankful heart, keys to a thankful heart. Um, this idea of being thankful, uh, to be full of thanks. Um, we talked, I was over a year ago now, uh, one of the very first times I preached, um, standing on this stage, uh, we talked about praise, um, the verbal output, whether it be not just the verbal, but even your life, um, and praise. And so, but today we're talking more about the heart. Um, praise comes from the heart. And so we're going to talk about keys to a, a thankful heart. This idea, uh, we hear it talk so much about uh, the idea, what is it to be thankful, uh, to be full of thanks? Uh, the Bible says to praise him with a thankful heart, that we should, towards God, have a heart full of thanks. Uh, we're going to talk about that today, so I am excited about that. I'm um, going to give you three keys to a thankful heart, but before we do, uh, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you uh, for this time. God, in these moments, we just uh, we ask that you forgive us, God. Wash us with your forgiveness, please. Wash us with your forgiveness, Father. Remove any distractions, anything, 
in our hearts, God, that would hinder us from hearing from you. God, we ask that you speak uh, now in these moments, God. We humble ourselves to you. Speak, Father. Our expectation is from you. Um, we look to you in every way. And we thank you, God, for what you will say. Um, God, I, even as I sit here on my knees, I humble myself to you, God. Um, I have no interest in, 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 in my thoughts. Um, there is no good that my thoughts will do anyone. Um, God, we need to hear you. We need to hear your words. Um, we need it for our lives. And we thank you. Speak now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to uh, walk through this. Uh, keys to a thankful heart. Uh, it is very important uh, that you be thankful. It is very important that you have a heart full of thanks. Uh, when the devil wants to fight you, that is one of the ways that he fights you is to keep you from being thankful. It may not seem like a very big thing, uh, this idea of being thankful. But the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That my ability to live for him, my ability to produce for him is limited by my strength. My ability to do what he wants me to do, to live for him, to produce for him, to give him glory in any way is limited. I'm limited by my strength. How much I can do for God? How much glory can I give him? All those things are decided by not so much my gifts and your gifts play into that, but your gifts are more the channel of how that plays out. But how much that is able to happen is solely dependent upon your strength. And that the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so when wanting to limit you uh, for God and keep you from being productive for God, he attacks your strength. He attacks your strength. And so the devil, he is after your joy. And if you've been living for God for longer than a week, you figure that out. He is after your joy. He is after it. He is after it. He is after it. He is after it. I cannot say it enough. He is after it. And I think it's so funny sometimes, uh, you know, that we come in here and, and, and look cute as if you just had the best week ever. Come in here, everybody looks good and, and dress nice. Most of you smell good too. That's, 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 that's good. And you just look as if nothing happened this week. As if, and if I were to judge you by the looks of it, just standing up here looking at you, I would say that everybody had a good week because you all look good. I would say that everybody had it easy going, smooth sailing from last Sunday to this Sunday. Nothing happened. Every day was Friday between now and last Sunday. Every day was Friday. Nobody went to work. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a blessing? But the truth is, no matter how well you dress or how good you smell or how well you present yourself, there is a fight that has been going on. And you know and you figured out he is after your joy. 
Man, he is after your joy. And, and we talked about it earlier. What it is about your joy that's so important to him? Well, he knows that it's your strength. And so he's after your joy. He is after your joy. It's not really about the car. Have car trouble, all these things different happen. It's not really about those things. It's really about your joy. For those of you that have faced adversity in any way, no, please, ma'am, please, sir, it is really, really about your joy. It's not really about the car. I don't care how many miles is on, how much it's been to the mechanic. It's not really about the car. It's really about your joy. It's not really about the kids and their grades and, and whether they will do the things that you ask them to do or not. It's really about your joy. It's not really about your spouse and your ability to get along with each other and coexist uh, in, in a peaceful way. It's not really about that. It's really, it's, it's your joy he's after. But he will turn over any of these things that it takes to get to your joy. He'll, he'll, he'll take advantage of any avenue, any way uh, that he can take advantage of to get to your joy. He'll do that. I had, uh, there was a, a little kid when I was, uh, I, I may have told you this before, there was a little kid, I remember we were in elementary school, and the teacher had us come in, uh, he didn't like me, I didn't like him either, so it was mutual. And so, we had to come in the classroom, and we put our book bags on the wall, and then we went to our seat, uh, I'm pretty sure it was fifth grade, uh, put our book bags on the wall, and then we went to our seat. And so the kid, he didn't like me, and so he wanted to mess with me, right? He was after my joy also. He was the devil. Uh, and so he didn't know which book bag was mine. And so in his pursuit of my joy and trying to take it, he went along to every book bag. He went to the first book bag, and he's unzipping it. And, and messing with it, he's going in the pockets. And he's not even looking at what he's doing. He's looking at me. And the first one, and I didn't do nothing. I'm looking at it. I'm like, whatever, dude, whatever, whatever. And, and then he went to the second one. That obviously wasn't it. And he went to the second one, and, and that wasn't mine. He's messing with it. He went to the third one. This guy went all the way down the line, some 10 or 12 book bags deep until he got to a blue one. My favorite color is blue. He got to this blue book bag, and I'm sitting there trying to play it cool, but I'm steaming inside. I'm like, this is my book bag. He's all in my stuff. I got my pencil fighting pencils in there. I can't lose my, my pencil fighting pencils. Uh, he, and I lost it. Lost it. Went after him. We ended up fighting. But he was, it was, uh, reflective of the devil in his pursuit because the devil much in the way this guy did much in the way this little kid did the devil will go right down the line he will go right down the line in your life and he will try whatever he has to try turn over whatever door open whatever door uh, turn over whatever cup he has to do to get to your joy and the whole time he's looking at you and he's messing with the kids and he's looking at you. Is that it? Is that the trigger? 
No, okay. And then you just mess them with the car. Is that it? Is that the one? Oh, oh, no. Messing with the job. Oh, oh, that's the one. It's the job. And so he, it's not really about the job. It's about your joy. But he, is, he wants to know, and it matters to him, what is your joy tied up in? And so I ask you today, what is your joy tied up in? Because if it's tied up in your children or for it's tied up in uh, your pursuit of money, uh, if it's tied up in your job, if it's tied up in your vehicle, he is going, it's, you're just making it easy for him. He's after your joy. He doesn't want you to have a thankful heart. That is why it is so important that you have one. And so three keys we're going to talk about to having a thankful heart. Number one, key number one, remember. Real easy. Remember. Remember. Remember the things that God has done for you. And that may seem real trivial. That may even seem stupid that we would talk about something so simple as just remembering. But you see, when trouble is taking place, I don't mean when trouble's on the horizon. I mean when it's happening right now, when it's at your doorstep right now, our memories get a little short as far as what God has done in our lives. I can't tell you how many times Christians have told me. I can't tell you how many times I've said it to other people who were trying to encourage me. And they would say, oh, Derek, God will do this or God will do that. And I would say, I know. I know. I know, but. I know that God is a healer, but. I, I, I know that he is a provider, but. I, I know that he cares for me and he loves me, but I'm in, I'm in a mess right now. And I don't want to hear these scriptures you're talking about. See, our memories get short, mine too, when you're in trouble. When you're not in trouble, it's real easy to encourage other people. You're quoting scriptures to people. Yeah, turn, oh, hey, turn to Psalms. Let me show you something. Let me, let me encourage you real quick. And, and so our memories are real short when it's not you. But the moment that hell is at your door, then our memories get short. And so the Bible asks, God asks of us that we remember. The Bible says in Exodus, the 16th chapter, the Bible says that uh, God, and, and I'm sure most of you, raise your hand if you've ever heard of the stories in Exodus 16 where God fed the children of Israel manna from the sky. They ate bread literally bread from heaven, and bread fell from the sky. They collected it in pots and they ate it. And this went on for days. This went on for a good while, for just day after day. He would do it every day. Every day, the Bible says they would wake up in the morning and like the dew on the ground, uh, the, the manna would just be there. And God fed them this way. And so God, knowing that their memories were short, God said, hey, take a pot. And put some of this bread. Don't eat all the bread. Take a pot and put some bread in it. And cover it up and store it away. So that years from now when your children 
and your children's children ask you, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, grandma, hey, granddad, what's the meaning for this pot with this moldy bread in it? That you will be able to tell them the goodness of the Lord and how God in a pinch, God in a bind, God in a crunch came through and rained bread from heaven. Because he knew that their memories were short. And he knew that one day they would get hungry again and and claim that God is not a provider. He knew that one day they would get hungry again. And in a moment, for whatever reason, I don't know why we do this, in a moment start to believe, despite all of what he has done, in a moment start to believe, oh, he's not going to provide. He's not going to come through. But the key is to remember You've been in trouble before. You've been in a pinch before. You've been. You've actually been, unless you're six months old. You, you've, been, you've been in a bind before. You've said to God before, God, if you would just do this. If you would just, if you would just, if you would just get me out of this right here, I promise you. I promise you. You've been in trouble before. And so God is saying to us, remember, remember. In Joshua 4, the Bible says that they came, the people of Israel came to the Jordan River and they needed to get across it. And so God, in his amazingness, he just parted the river, parted the river, and they walked across on dry land. They walked across on dry land. He parted the river. And so God, before he allowed the water to come back, they had crossed over the Jordan River. But before God allowed the water to converge back, he said to them, go back to the middle of where the river was. And he said, collect 12 stones. 12 stones, one for each tribe. I want each tribe to have a stone. And so that years from now, when your children and your children's children ask you, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, grandma, hey, granddad, why why you got these rocks here, these dirty old rocks that you've kept for so long? What's the meaning of this? That you would tell them about the time that in a pinch, God came through. How in a crunch, in a bind, in a bad situation, God came through and parted the water and they walked across on dry land. And so God is saying to you, remember, it could be that you don't need them so much to do something right now. But remember, just remember what he did the last time. Remember what he did the last time. You've been hungry before. You've been broke before. You've been sick before. You've been down and out before. You've been down to your last before. All these things have happened before. And God is saying to you, remember. He said to his people, he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, his son Isaac, and the grandson Jacob. And so he's saying, he was saying to the people, look, I provided, I'm not just a first-timer. 
I've been around the block a couple of times. Believe it or not, I've been living for a long time, eternity actually. And I've faced a few problems, not just problems, but problems even in your family. And he says to them, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham got in trouble. And what did I do? I fixed it. I solved it. I took care of him. I kept him. When he was, when he was hungry, I fed him. When he needed a roof over his head, I did that too. His son Isaac got it. Abraham dies. Isaac is on the scene. Isaac gets hungry. Isaac gets in trouble. If you read the scriptures, Isaac gets in trouble. He needs food. He needs a spouse. All these things. And God said, I provided for him. And then Isaac dies and Jacob is on the scene. And he does the same thing. And so he's reminding his people, I've done this before. If you were to check my resume, you would see that I do have some experience in this area called trouble. I have a little bit of experience. I've healed a few people. I've I've delivered a few people. I've fed some people that were hungry. I've delivered some people that got into trouble. And so God is reminding us just to remember. Stop acting like I haven't done it before. This was a few... uh, uh, the other night, I, was last night, last night, or the night before, night before last, I cooked. I cooked, yep, yeah, I cooked. Yeah, give it up. Give it up, because that's, that's not going to come around again, maybe for, who knows. But the night before last, I cooked. I cooked, and so I'm in the kitchen. I'm, I'm, I'm in the kitchen, and, and I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'm, but I'm in there, and I act like I'm acting like I know what I'm doing, Carrie. And so I got the stuff laid out, and I got the recipe from Paula Dean. Uh, God bless Paula Dean. I don't care what nobody say. Uh, she got me out of a bind two nights ago, and so I got the recipe from her. And Tessa walks in in the kitchen, and huh, and she laughs. She don't even know what I'm cooking, and she laughs. And I had to tell her, like, you know. Don't act like I hadn't done this before. Don't act like I hadn't done this before. I I didn't get mad, but it got into my skin a little bit. I've done this before now. Don't act like this is the first time. And the same with God. The next thing we need to, another key to having a thankful heart, is to remember the Passover. Remember the Passover. The Bible says that in Exodus, the 12th chapter, uh, you may or may not be familiar with the story. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, the people of Israel were in bondage. And the Bible says that while they were in bondage, God sent a series of plagues uh, to plague not the Israelites, but the Egyptians who they were in bondage under. And so... In the very last plague, in a series of plagues, God sends the death angel, the angel of death, and the angel of death goes house to house. The angel of death goes house to house and takes the firstborn son in every house. And the Bible says that there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. There was crying all night long as the angel of death went house to house and, and, and took the life of the firstborn son of the Egyptians. And so God, as the angel of death was coming through or knowing that the angel of death would come through, 
uh, God told Moses, hey, tell the people to kill a lamb of the first year, uh, to kill a lamb of the first year and to put the blood of the lamb on, it says, smite the corners of the doorpost and not to hit the corners of the, corners of the doorpost. And so that the blood, once he would take this lamb, this bloody lamb, and to hit the corners of the doorpost, that the blood of the lamb would, would run down the door. And he said, do that so that when the, the angel of death is coming through, that he would see, that the angel of death would, would see the blood of the lamb on the door and it would pass over. Now, I would love to talk to you about how uh, this happened because the, the blood of the lamb was on the door and, and all that that means and how that Jesus uh, is the blood of the lamb on our door. Okay? Jesus is the blood of the lamb. Now, this happened many, many years ago. You might say, what does that have to do with me? Uh, I wasn't in the house when the blood of the lamb was on the door. No, but if you have Jesus in your life, then the blood of the lamb is on your door. And you want it on your door. And so they celebrate this. They would, it was a huge festival. It still is a huge festival where they gather. They gather for days. For days and days. It's not a one-day thing. It's not a weekend thing. They celebrate it for days. The fact that the death angel passed by, that it passed over the door and with the blood what the blood uh, did for them. And so I say that to say that even in these days and times, how it's relevant to you is that if God is in your life and you have asked Jesus to come into your life, I want you to know the beautiful thing about that is that the blood of the lamb is on your door. The blood of the lamb is on your door. And because the blood of the lamb is on your door, you can be certain that there are certain things that pass over. Pass over. And so we should be thankful despite. And, and, our, and you may say, well, Derek, you don't know what's happened in 2016. You don't know what's happened in my life. You don't know the trouble I've been through. I don't know. But I do know there are some things that didn't happen because the blood of the lamb was on the door. And instead of complaining about what did happen, like the children of Israel did every year and still do, they thank God for what didn't happen. I thank God every day, every day, despite no matter how much trouble I'm in, I thank God for what didn't happen. Realizing that it could be worse. Realizing that it could be worse. I thank God for what didn't happen. I thank God for what passed over. And instead of, and there are some of you in this room right now, and I know because I feel the spirit right now, instead of complaining to God for what did happen, you need to thank him for what passed over. You need to thank God for what didn't happen. There is so much that didn't happen. See, we don't always realize when God is active in our lives. Gosh, I feel the Spirit in here. When I, we don't always realize when God is active in our lives because God, is uh, he both intervenes. He, 
him in acting for us and protecting us, he activates both intervention and prevention. Intervention is you're in trouble right now. And he comes and just separates you from the trouble. That's intervention. Prevention is the trouble is passing by your door. And God does this and says, no, not today. Not today. They, they, can't, they can't take another thing. They're, they're going through too much right now. If the oven gets any hotter, then it'll, it'll, it'll mess them up for life. And so God exercises prevention. Prevention. I wish you knew how much God prevented you from. I wish you knew the trouble that he kept away from your door. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that he lifts up a standard against. In other words, when the enemy comes rushing in like a flood, that the Bible says that God literally acts like a dam and keeping it back keeping it back. And so I'm sorry to you if a little water came through the cracks, but it's nothing compared to what he kept back. And sometimes even though I make it sad about what came through the cracks, I still thank him for what he kept back. God, thank you for what passed over. Thank you for what could have happened. It could have been way worse than this. I'm eating chicken three days in a row, but it could have been spam. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you. And this is what we have to do to maintain a thankful heart is know that God does so much prevention. Don't you know there is way more that could have happened than actually did? Don't you know that he prevented way more than he intervened? And I don't care who you are, no matter what you've been through, from, the, from, from this wall to the back wall, there is way more that God kept back. Way more that he kept back. And I don't care how bad you have it now or have had it, you need to thank him and say, God, thank you. Thank you that the blood is on the door. Thank you that the blood is on the door. Thank you that the blood is on the door. It could have been way worse. And thank you for not getting it, for not letting it get any worse. Thank you, God, that you know how much I can take. There is no person in here that could take it if God didn't, if, didn't hold it back. None of you in here could take it. People go crazy when God lets the flood come through. When God doesn't hold back, when the Bible says, when the Bible, uh, the Bible interludes at times when it talks about how God left them to their own devices. When God, when God stood back and said, I'm just going to let you have them. The Bible says even when, even when Job was going through, even when Job was going through and is at his worst, the Bible says, Every step along the way, the devil had to check with God and ask God, is it okay to do the next thing? He had to run it by God before he did anything. The Bible says that, uh, and God was just messing with the devil. Uh, God said to the devil, he said, why hadn't you done anything to Job? Why hadn't you done anything to Job? And the devil said to God, God, you know I can't do anything because your hedge is up. 
You have a hedge all around him. He said, you know I can't do anything. You know I can't, I can't steal a piece of bread out of, his, out of the bread basket if you don't allow me to do it. And so the Bible said that God allowed him. God said, oh, okay, well, you can touch his, 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 you can touch the things that he has. And then he said, oh, you can touch his body. You can touch his children. And so God allowed him to do things. And so there is nothing that Job experienced that God did not allow. There is nothing he went through that God didn't first calculate it and see, oh, can he take this? Yeah, divide by two, carry to one. Yeah, go ahead and do it. It's going to make them better. There is nothing that you are going through or have gone through that God didn't calculate. There is nothing that you are going through or have gone through that God didn't allow it. Where God didn't measure who you are and what you could take up against what you were going to go through. And say, yeah, I'll allow it this time. And so in light of that, the very same Job, knowing that it could have been worse, knowing that nothing got through that God didn't allow to get through, in the middle with covered in boils from head to toe, and the Bible said he stunk so nobody got near him, and he's sitting on ashes. He had lost his family. He has lost his possessions. And in the middle of all that, Job realized that it could still be worse. He said, the Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. His wife wanted him to curse God and die. But Job realized, no, I'm not going to curse the damned. I'm not going to curse the one who's holding back all these things that could get through. I'm not going to curse the blood on the door. He said, I know in whom I believe. And so in the middle of what you may be facing, I urge you, I, I implore you, please, I beg you, please praise him. Please realize that it could be worse. And you can take it. If you are going through it, you can take it. With him on your side. If you couldn't take it, you wouldn't be going through it. If it were going to take you out, it wouldn't even happen. And so my, my third and very last point is that as, as we try to maintain a thankful heart, it would literally help to praise him. I know that that is the last thing that you want to do in the middle of going through trouble. I remember when somebody told me in the middle of my depression, the worst of the worst, somebody said, oh, you should just thank him. I said, I would slap you right now if you say that again. I'll slap you if you say that again. That is, it's the last thing you want to hear, that you would thank the person who allowed it. That you would thank the person. See, we were raised that when someone does something that you like, that you would give them thanks. I was raised like that. My, I remember the days when my grandma used to come to me and she would give me, my great-grandma, she would give me this orange candy, God rest her soul. She would give me the orange candy with the sugar just painted to it. It was all over it. Uh, you probably don't remember that. If you're 20 or less, 
21, you probably don't even remember that. And she, she always had some. This, she, and she didn't have much money. But she always like, where is she? Is she robbing the, the gas station? She always had this stuff on her every time I saw her. And she would come to me, here, baby, let me get you. And she'd pull out her things that were like, she would get these things from the store at the time. They were probably two for 20 cents. And so uh, she would always give me one. And I remember my mom would be standing over me. So it's like my grandma, my great-grandma, me, and then my mom's right behind me. And as I have my hands out, she's standing over me waiting to see if I say thank you or not. And that would decide what would happen in the next two or three seconds. <laughs> and, and, and if I said, if, 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 I, if I said she was just, she would always walk by at the right times. Her time was impeccable. She would walk by and I, was, I say, thank you. And she said, mm-hmm. And she'd keep going. Just like, you know, nothing was going on. And then if I, if I didn't say thank you and I just took it and ate it, just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, it was just, something, it may be a hand, it may be a broom, but something would come towards this side of my face. (laughs) And so I was taught, I was literally taught that, and I'm sure many of you were too, that in exchange for goodness that we were to say thank you. We were to say thank you only in exchange for goodness. Only in exchange for goodness. My mom and dad are great people. They've never told me, hey, when that kid at school, when he steals your pencil, uh, go ahead and thank him, would you? Go ahead and make sure you thank him. No, 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 no. We were raised to say thank you in exchange for goodness. And so the Bible is telling us to say thank you even when bad things happen. Even when there's sickness, say thank you. Even when the refrigerator is empty, to say thank you. The Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is worthy to be praised, that we should thank him even in the midst of going through something. Even in the midst of the trouble that, by the way, he allowed, that we should say thank you. Why should we do this? This is the last thing we're going to talk about. Give me a couple minutes and we're going to go. Uh, David defines thanking him and praising him when he talks about it. In the 34th Psalm, he talks about it a lot. But in the 34th Psalm, he says that in praising and thanking him, really what we're doing, he said, is magnifying him. And, says, and so he says in Psalms 34 and 3, he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. He's saying, magnify the Lord with me. He's really saying, praise him. But in praising him and thanking him, magnify him with me. And so I looked at that and I said, why would he say magnify? And so when you magnify something, you don't make it any bigger. When you magnify something, you don't actually make it any bigger. But it looks bigger to you. And so... What David is letting us know, number one, that praise isn't as much for God as it is for you. That God gave us praise for you. That God gave us an opportunity to thank him. That to be able to praise him and thankful and thank him, that is an opportunity that God's given to you. And you would say, well, why would I need to see God as being bigger? 
Why would he need to be bigger to me? Well, when you go through trouble and trouble starts to look real big, when cancer starts to look big, you might want to magnify him. When the finances are, the financial situation starts to look real big, then you might want to magnify him. When the trouble that you are in seems greater than the God that you serve, it is the time, the perfect time to magnify him. And so David must have been in trouble when he says, magnify the Lord with me. Tell me how good he is and how great and how awesome he is because I need to see him as greater and bigger than I see him right now. Because while I'm in trouble, he's not looking real big right now. I know he's supposed to be real big and real awesome, but I need to magnify him because he's not looking too big right now. And so he says, hey, magnify the Lord with me. This is why you can't do it by yourself like we talked about. You need some help to do this. You need somebody to come and remind you that, hey, like the song says, hey, our God is an awesome God. Who, who, who reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. We need to help each other in that way. Uh, Tim and them sang the song a little while ago. It says, our God is a lion, a lion of Judah. It went on to say, who can stop the Lord Almighty? I almost didn't come out to preach when I heard that. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop him? It is just when we make statements like these, it magnifies him. It makes him bigger. Now, see, we're not actually making God bigger because we can't do that. But when we make statements like these, he is bigger to us. When you thank him and praise him, you see him a little closer. And all of a sudden, when you start talking like that, cancer doesn't seem so big. When you start talking about how awesome God is, uh, the financial situation doesn't seem so big and so bad. No wonder the Bible says, it says that earth is his throne, and uh, that heaven is his throne, and earth is his footstool. When it's making statements like that, God is not bragging. He doesn't need to brag. He doesn't need you to, to co-sign with him. He's God. But he's giving you something to say when, when the trouble starts to seem big. He's giving you a way to magnify him. When God says a statement like that he is God and beside him there is no other. God and he doesn't have any competition. He's giving you a way to magnify him. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for... All that you've done for us, thank you for what you're doing. God, we love you so much and we look to you in every way. God, help us uh, as we leave here, help us to have thankful hearts. We thank you, God, for what you've kept back. We thank you for what you've allowed. And we thank you for how good you are to us. You're better than we know. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app 
from your app store.